Chapter Four of A Little Bush Maid by Mary Grant Bruce. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times. Chapter Four: Jim's Idea. Two hammocks side by side under a huge pine tree swung lazily to and fro in the evening breeze. In them, Nora and Harry rocked happily too, comfortable as Nora said to talk. They had all been out riding most of the day, and were happily tired. Tea had been discussed fully, and everything was exceedingly peaceful. Footsteps at racing speed sounded far off on the gravel of the front path, a wide sweep that ran round the broad lawn. There was a scatter of stones, and then a thud-thud over the grass to the pine trees, sounds that signalized the arrival of Jim and Wally in much haste. Jim's hurry was so excessive that he could not pull himself up in time to avoid Harry. He bumped violently into the hammock, with the natural result that Harry swung sharply against Nora, and for a moment things were rather mixed. "'You duffer!' growled Harry, steadying his rocking bed. "'Hurt you?' this to Nora. "'No, thanks!' Nora laughed. "'What's the matter with you two? "'Got an idea!' Wally gasped, fanning himself with a pine-cone. "'Hurt you?' "'Rather. It's always a shock for me to have an idea. Anyway, this isn't mine. It's Jim's.' "'Oh!' Nora's tone was more respectful. Jim's ideas were not to be treated lightly, as a rule. "'Well, let's hear it.' "'Fishing,' Jim said laconically. "'Let's start out at the very daybreak, and get up the river.' to Angler's Bend. They say you can always get fish there. We'll ride, and take Billy to carry the tucker, and look for bait. Spend the whole blessed day, and come home with the mopokes. What do you chaps say? Grand idea! Nora cried, giving her hammock an ecstatic swing. We'll have to fly round, though. Did you ask Dad? Yes, and he said we could go. It's tucker that's the trouble. I don't know if we're too late to arrange about any. "'Come and ask Mrs. Brown,' said Nora, flinging a pair of long black legs over the edge of the hammock. She'll fix us up if she can. They tore off to the kitchen and arrived panting. Mrs. Brown was sitting in calm state on the kitchen veranda and greeted them with a wide, expansive smile. Nora explained their need. Mrs. Brown pursed up her lips. "'I haven't anything fancy, my dear,' she said slowly. "'Only plum-cake and scones, and there's a nice cold tongue and an apple pie. "'I'd like you to have tarts, but the fire's out. "'Do you think you can manage?' Jem laughed. "'I guess that'll do, Mrs. Brown,' he said. "'We'll live like fighting cocks and bring you home any amount of fish for breakfast. "'Don't you worry about sandwiches, either.' Put in a loaf or two of bread, and a chunk of butter, and we'll be right as rain. Then I'll have it all packed for you first thing, Master Jim, Mrs. Brown declared. That's ripping, said the boys in a breath. Come and find Billy. Billy was dragged from the recesses of the stable. He grinned widely, with joy at the prospect of the picnic. All the ponies ready at five, Billy, ordered Jim. Yours too. We're going to make a day of it, and we'll want bait. Now, you chaps— Come along, and get lines and hooks ready. 
the alarm clock by jim's bedside shrieked suddenly in the first hint of daylight and jim sprang from his pillow with the alertness of a jack-in-the-box and grabbed the clock to stop its further eloquence he sat down on the edge of his bed and yawned tremendously at the other side of the room harry slept peacefully nearer wallie's black eyes twinkled for a moment and hurriedly closed apparently in deep slumber he snored softly fraud said jim with emphasis he seized his pillow and hurled it vigorously it caught wallie on the face and stayed there and beneath its shelter the victim still snored on serenely jim rose with deliberation and seizing the bedclothes gave a judicious pull which ended in wallie's suddenly finding himself on the floor he clasped wildly at the blankets but they were dragged from his reluctant grasp jim's toe stirred him gently and at length he rose beast he said miserably what on earth's the good of getting up at this hour got to make an early start replied his host come and stir up old harry harry was noted as a sleeper pillows hurled on top of him were as naught the bedclothes were removed but he turned on his side and slumbered like a little child and to think wallie said that that chap springs up madly when the getting-up bell rings once at school school was never like this jim grinned there's the squirt wall the squirt was there so was the jug of water and a moment sufficed to charge the weapon the nozzle was gently inserted into the sleeper's pajama collar and in a moment the drenched and wrathful hero arose majestically from his watery pillow and seizing his tormentors banged their heads together with great effort you're slow to wake but no end of a terror once you rouse up said wallie ruefully rubbing his pate goats said harry briefly rubbing his neck with a hard towel come on and have a swim they tore down the hall only pausing at nora's door while jim ran in to wake her a deed speedily accomplished by gently and firmly pressing a wet sponge upon her face then they raced to the lagoon and in a few minutes were splashing and ducking in the water they spent more time there than jim had intended their return being delayed by a spirited boat race between harry's slippers conducted by wallie and jim by the time Harry had rescued his sopping foot gear, the offenders were beyond pursuit in the middle of the lagoon, so he contented himself with annexing Jim's slippers, in which he proudly returned to the house. Jim, arriving just too late to save his own, promptly collared those of Wallie, leaving the last-named youth no alternative but to paddle home in the waterlogged slippers the ground being too rough and stony to admit of barefoot travelling nora fresh from the bath was prancing about the veranda in her kimono as the boys raced up to the house her hair a dusky cloud about her face not dressed you laziness jim flung at her well you aren't either was the merry retort no but we've got no silly hair to brush Pooh that won't take me any time mrs brown's up jim and she says breakfast will be ready in ten minutes good old brownie jim ejaculated can't beat her can you do you know if she's got the swag packed 
Everything's packed, and she's given it all to Billy, and it's on old Polly by now. Polly was the pack-horse. Such a jolly big bundle, and everything covered over with cabbage leaves to keep it cool. Hooroo for Casey! Well, scurry and get dressed, old girl. I bet you keep us waiting at the last. I'm sure I won't, was the indignant answer, as Nora ran off through the hall. Think of how much longer you take over your breakfast. Ten minutes later, breakfast smoked on the wide kitchen table, Mrs. Brown, like a presiding goddess, flourishing a big spoon by a frying-pan that sent up a savory odor. I'm sure I hope you'll all kindly excuse having it in here, she said, in pained tones. No use to think of those lazy hussies of girls having the breakfast-room ready at this hour, so I thought as how you wouldn't mind. Mind? Not much, Mrs. Brown, Jim laughed. You're too good to us altogether. Eggs and bacon. Well, you are a brick. Cold tucker would have done splendidly for us. Cold, indeed. Not if I know it. And you precious lambs off for such a ride, and going to be hot weather and all, said the breathless Mrs. Brown indignantly. Now, you just eat a good breakfast, Miss Nora, my love. I've doughnuts here, nearly done nice and puffy and brown just as you like them so hurry up and don't let your bacon get cold there was not indeed much chance for the bacon which disappeared in a manner truly alarming while its fate was speedily shared by the huge pile of crisp doughnuts which mrs brown presently placed upon the table with a flourish we don't get things like this at school wally said regretfully pausing for an instant before his seventh all the more reason you should eat plenty now, said their constructor, holding the doughnuts temptingly beneath his nose. Come now, dearie, do eat something, and Wally bashfully recommenced his efforts. How's Billy getting on? Jim inquired. Billy's in the back kitchen, Master Jim, my love, and you've no call to worry your head about him. He's had three plates of bacon and five eggs, and most like by this time he's finished all his doughnuts and drunk his coffee-pot dry. That black image will eat anything, concluded Mrs. Brown solemnly. Well, I can't eat anything more, anyhow, Jim declared. How we're all going to ride fifteen miles beats me. If we sleep all day, instead of catching fish for you, you've only got yourself to blame, Mrs. Brown. Whereat? Mrs. Brown emitted fat and satisfied chuckles, and the meeting broke up noisily and rushed off to find its hats. Six ponies in a line against the stable-yard fence, Bob's with an eye looking round hopefully for Nora and Sugar, Mick, most feather-headed of chestnuts, and Jim's especial delight, Topsy and Barku, good useful station ponies with plenty of fun yet warranted not to break the necks of boy visitors bung-eye a lean piebald that no one but black billy ever thought of riding next to him old polly packed securely with the day's provisions two fishing-rods stuck out from her bundles and a big bunch of hobbles jingled as she moved there was nothing in the saddles to distinguish norris mount for she too rode astride mr linton had a rooted dislike to side saddles and was wont to say he preferred horses with sound withers and a daughter whose right hip was not higher than her left 
So Norrell rode on a dainty little hunting-saddle like Jim's, her habit being a neat divided skirt, which had the double advantage of looking nice on horseback, and having no bothersome tail to hold up when off. The boys were dressed without regard to appearances. Loose old coats and trousers, soft shirts and leggings, red-striped towels peeping out of Polly's packs, indicated that Jim had not forgotten the possibilities of bathing which the creek afforded. A tin teapot jangled cheerfully against a well-used black billy. "'All right, you chaps?' Jim ran his eye over the ponies and their gear. "'Better have a look at your girths. Come along.' Nora was already in the saddle, exulting over the fact that, in spite of Jim's prophecy that she would be late, she was the first to be mounted. Bob's was prancing happily, infected with the gaiety of the moment, the sweet morning air and sunshine, and the spirit of mirth that was everywhere. Mick joined him in capering, as Jim swung himself into the saddle. Billy, leading Polly, and betraying an evident distaste for a task which so hampered the freedom of his movements, moved off down the track. Just as Wally and Harry mounted, a tall figure in pajamas appeared at the gate of the back yard. "'There's Dad!' Nora cried gleefully, cantering up to him. The boys followed. "'Had to get up to see the last of you,' Mr. Linton said. "'Not much chance of sleeping anyhow, with you rowdy people about.' "'Did we wake you, Dad? Sorry.' "'Very sorry, aren't you?' Mr. Linton laughed at the merry face. "'Well, take care of yourselves. Remember, Nora's in your charge, Jim, and all the others in yours, Nora.' Keep an eye to your ponies, and don't let them stray too far, even if they are hobbled. And mind you bring me home any amount of fish, Harry and Wall. We will, sir, chorused the boys. Nora leant from her saddle and slipped an arm round her father's neck. Good-bye, Dad, dear. Good-bye, my little girl. Be careful. Don't forget. Mr. Linton kissed her fondly. Well, you're all in a hurry, and so am I to get back to bed. So long, all of you. Have a good time. So long. The echoes brought back the merry shout as the six ponies disappeared round the bend in the track. Down the track to the first gate, helter-skelter. Billy, holding it open, showed his white teeth in a broad grin as the merry band swept through. Then, over the long grass of the broad paddock, swift hoofs, shaking off the dewdrops that yet hung sparkling in the sunshine. Billy plodded far behind with the pack-horse, envy in his heart and discontent with the fate that kept him so far in the rear, compelled to progress at the tamest of jogs. The second paddock traversed, they passed through the slip-rails into a bush paddock known as the Wide Plain. It was heavily timbered towards one end where the river formed its boundary, but towards the end at which they entered was almost cleared, only a few logs lying here and there, and occasionally a tall dead tree. "'What a place for a gallop!' said Harry. His quiet face was flushed and his eyes sparkling. "'Look at old Harry!' jeered Wally. "'He's quite excited. Does your mother know you're out, Hal?' "'I'll punch you, young Wally,' retorted Harry. "'Just you be civil.' but isn't it a splendid place? Why, there's a clear run for a mile, I should say. More than that, 
jim answered we've often raced here oh nora's eyes fairly danced let's have a race now noble idea exclaimed wallie well it'll have to be a handicap to make it fair jim said if we start level nora's pony can beat any of the others and i think mick can beat the other two at any rate we'll give you fellows a start and nora must give me one i don't care nora said gleefully digging her hill into bobs with the result that the animal suddenly executed a bound in mid-air steady you duffer i didn't mean any offence bobsy dear she patted his neck i should think you wouldn't care jim said best pony and lightest weight you ought to be able to leave any of us miles behind so we'll give you a beautiful handicap young woman where's the winning post harry asked see that big black tree the one just near the boundary fence i mean it's a few chains from the fence really we'll finish there jim replied come on then said nora impatiently get on ahead harry and wallie you'll have to sing out go jim and sing it out loud cause we'll be ever so far apart right o jim said harry clear on a good way you're the heaviest pull up when i tell you you too wall he watched the two boys ride in slowly and sang out to them to stop when he considered they had received a fair start then he rode on himself until he was midway between wallie and nora harry some distance ahead of the former the ponies had an inkling of what was in the wind and were dancing with impatience now then nora jim flung a laughing look over his shoulder no cribbing there i'm not came an indignant voice all right don't ready everyone then go as the word go left jim's lips the four ponies sprang forward sharply and a moment later were in full gallop over the soft springy turf it was an ideal place for a race clear ground covered with short soft grass well eaten off by the sheep no trees to bar the way and over all a sky of the brightest blue flecked by tiny fleecy cloudlets they tore over the paddock shouting at the ponies laughing hurling defiance at each other at first harry kept his lead but wait will tell and presently wallie was almost level with him with jim not far behind bobs had not gone too well at first he was too excited to get thoroughly into his stride and had spent his time in dancing when he should have been making up his handicap when however he did condescend to gallop the distance that separated him from the other ponies was rapidly overhauled nora leaning forward in her stirrups her face alight with eagerness urged him on with voice and hand she rarely if ever touched him with a whip at any time quickly she gained on the others now harry was caught and passed even as jim caught wallie and deprived him of the lead he had gaily held for some time wallie shouted laughing abuse at him flogging his pony on the while now nora was neck and neck with wallie and slowly she drew past him and set sail after jim that she could beat him she knew very well but the question was was there time to catch him the big tree which formed the winning post was very near now scoot bobsy dear whispered nora unconscious of the fact that she was saying anything unmaidenly at any rate bobs understood for he went forward with a bound 
They were nearly level with Jim now, Wally desperately flogging, close in the rear. At that moment Jim's pony put his foot into a hole and went down like a shot rabbit, bowling over and over. Jim flung like a stone out of a catapult, landed some distance ahead of the pony. He, too, rolled for a moment, and then lay still. It seemed to Nora that she pulled Bobs up almost in his stride. Certainly she was off before he had fairly slackened to a walk, throwing herself wildly from the saddle. She tore up to Jim, Jim, who lay horribly still. "'Jim! Dear Jim!' she cried. She took his head on her knee. "'Jim! Oh, Jim, do speak to me!' There was no sound. The boy lay motionless, his tanned face strangely white. Harry, coming up, jumped off and ran to his side. "'Is he hurt much?' "'I don't know. No, don't you say he's hurt much. He couldn't be, in such a second. Jim, dear, speak, old chap!' A big sob rose in her throat and choked her at the heavy silence. Harry took Jim's wrist in his hand and felt with fumbling fingers for the pulse. Wally, having pulled his pony up with difficulty, came tearing back to the little group. "'Is he killed?' he whispered, awestruck. A little shiver ran through Jim's body. Slowly he opened his eyes and stretched himself. "'What's up?' he said weakly. "'Oh, I know. Mick?' "'He's all right, darling.' Nora said with a quivering voice, "'Are you hurt much?' "'Bit of a bump on my head,' Jim said, struggling to a sitting position. He rubbed his forehead. "'What's up, Nora?' For the browned head had gone down on his knee, and the shoulders were shaking. Jim patted her head very gently. "'You dear old duffer,' he said tenderly. End of chapter 4